0: Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him
1: Lord as we come to your word we thank you that you've given us um, your love which you've made known to the world now come and inspire these words to our hearts in Christ's name amen well good morning welcome if you're visiting my name is Dave I'm uh, one of the priests here and for the next few weeks we're going to be looking at Paul's letter to the Colossians um, And it's just interesting when we approach a letter like this, and some of you will know this full well, um, to look at the occasion of the letter. And what happened is, is Paul had come to the city of Ephesus and found some believers and asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, no. And he said, well, what baptism did you receive? And they said, we received the baptism of John the Baptist. So uh, Paul converses with them and then baptizes them in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then he lays hands on them, and the, the 12 that are present are filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in tongues and prophesy. Sometimes when we pray, everything happens. Other times we pray, some things happen. Paul then goes and for three months, he stays in Ephesus and he speaks in the synagogue about the way, which is what Christians were called at that time, until the Jews in the synagogue begin to malign the faith. So Paul leaves the synagogue, he goes downtown, and he rents a storefront, uses it to share the gospel. And he does it for two years, and the footnote says is that as a result, all of the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord now this is Ephesus what about Colossea well one man named Epaphras was visiting Ephesus we don't know why he was visiting Ephesus he was in Ephesus and he happens upon Paul speaking and he comes to believe we don't know how long he stayed in Ephesus but he returns home to Colossea and as a result a church is born so Paul writes to Epaphras and the church to encourage them and to help them. It's interesting, isn't it, how we approach first-time visitors. You know, welcome, good morning. You know, and we think, oh, we hope they, you know, I always say to people, look, I'm not saying that we're right, I'm just saying that if you enjoyed it, come back. You know, that's kind of my line on, it's the slow ball pitch of church life in Dallas. One visitor in Ephesus, as such an encounter that he goes home and he can't stop talking about this faith that he's received and the church is planted kind of goes all it goes against a lot of the modern-day effort to have a tractional church and, and, and plant but I, I that's a rabbit trail so Paul writes to the Colossians with the authority of an Apostle to a church to assist the church in dealing with the problem of, the, of dangerous teaching what was the dangerous teaching the dangerous teaching to the church is that there's another way to live a life that is spiritual that has wisdom where you can get what you want without the cross and that's always the challenge in church is that sometimes um, Ideas fads will come in into the city or into the area and people start talking about it And it removes it promises spiritual power without the shape of life that Jesus promised us I was once uh, with a group who was just like this and they'd all come to Alpha Which is an introduction or reintroduction of the Christian faith, and I took them all into my group. They were ten women um, I was confident enough to lead this group as the only man and and we were going through the questions, who is Jesus, how did he die, how can I pray, all of these questions, how does God guide, and all they wanted to talk about was Bitcoin. And at the end of the 10 weeks, I said to them, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I have utterly failed you. I have tried week after week to get us to talk about Jesus, the hope of the world, and We've only talked about Bitcoin for 10 weeks. And they said, that's because Bitcoin's the answer. The government's going to fail. The, the, the currency's going to, you know, dissolve, and we will have crypto, and it will save us. And I said, yeah, I don't think so. And then one of them threw me some money and said, you invest, you'll see. And I did, and the investment halved. So my faith in crypto has, has gone. But you see, sometimes these fads come in, don't they? And they're dangerous. Another danger is the self, self-help dialogue. <laughs> and the answer is in the name, self-help. You know, whenever I talk to a, um, a therapist, and I know there are many of you in here, um, and I say to them when they go through something, I said, look, you know just enough to be dangerous because you can't treat yourself. And if it doesn't work for a therapist who knows how to fix people, you can't fix yourself, then I guess self help falls down. We need help. And so Paul writes, and he begins his letter. If you turn with me to your bulletins on page three, we're just going to go through these verses. Verse one, he begins Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. And then. In customary fashion he says to the Saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossea grace to you and peace from God our Father Paul's letters have a number of things in common they all have correction but Paul doesn't start with a correction straight off the bat he starts by praying and blessing them with grace and peace why because if we don't begin with grace and peace, we have nothing to offer the world. Grace and peace is where we start, and grace and peace will be where we end. And so Paul says, grace and peace be with you. Skipping ahead to verse nine, he begins to pray. He reports in summary fashion how he prays for the Colossians. And he prays that they will know God's will and that God's will give them the power to live it out and the first thing he says and so from the day we heard we've not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding well those two words knowledge and wisdom again I've mentioned that's what the promise was and Paul prays that the Colossians will receive the wisdom and understanding that comes only from God by the Holy Spirit. In verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Those first two words, look at them with me. So as. So as. The idea here is that this wisdom and understanding would lead to changed lives. And it would enable Christians to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, what does it mean to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? I love Monty Python's Ministry of Funny Walks. In fact, sometimes when I'm walking with someone about to have a difficult conversation pastorally, I'll break into one of them. Just to see what happens. It usually fails dramatically, but it helps me. But to walk is a Jewish metaphor for conducting or behaving oneself. And Paul, as a former rabbi, is calling the believers to walk not according to the oral traditions that are around, he's calling them not to walk according to the ways of the world, but he's asking them to walk in a way that is fully pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this with me for a moment. What does it look like to live our lives in a way that's fully pleasing to Jesus? Well, as Paul's just mentioned, it's a life that's filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and understanding inspired by the Holy Spirit so that our lives might be fully pleasing to Him. Well, what's His will? Is his will that we would come to church whether we like it or not, aim to be there for 9 or 9:15? Is it to strive to work hard, to have a performance-based lifestyle so that we can do for him? Is that fully pleasing? I think that's that's a narrative that's out there in this city, but I don't think that's what Paul's talking about. To know his will is to realize that he has called us into relationship with him that we might receive his love and that he might bless us so that we might be a blessing to others. We receive his love and respond out of love to him. Paul goes on saying that this will bear fruit, that we'd be bearing fruit and increasing. And it brings the mind to mind the, the, the parable of the sower. Remember, some seed that falls on good soil will reap a return of 30 fold, 60 fold, and 100 fold. And that's the life that isn't trying to perform or do or get all the right things, but it's one that receives as much as it can, receiving his love. That's his will, that we would receive all that he has to offer and that we would act in response to that love Lit, receiving his love and responding in verse 11 it says begins that we would being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy 21 years ago I was asked have you been filled with the power of the Spirit And at first I had no idea what people were talking about to be powerful I thought was to be tough I had taken up Brazilian jiu-jitsu and gotten very good at it Um, and I had this idea of what power looked like which was hard but it made sense to me because when I get hurt I found that if I toughen up if I get hurt again it doesn't hurt as much And I thought that was a path to power. I don't know what you think a path to power looks like, but what I've realized is, what I realized then, is that it's not a path to power, it's a path to fragility. It's a path to fragility because when we harden our hearts so that if we get rejected again, when we harden our hearts so that if we get hurt again, when we harden our hearts if we're misunderstood, we lose something very important we lose our ability to love and the part piece of us perishes a piece of us dies the prophet ezekiel known as zeke to his friends talks of the promise of the father that his spirit would be poured out and that the spirit of god would flood into hearts of stone and turning them into hearts of flesh and so I was being asked if you've been filled with the power of the Spirit, and I was like, I have no idea, but I'm full of something, and it's probably not what you're talking about. I sat at the back of my classes in theological college asking really snide and obnoxious questions. I really aimed to ridicule the, the classmates I was with. I was a complete, you know, I shouldn't have been there at the time, but I was. And, um, but because of it, kept, people kept asking me, and because I had a father, my father back in Canada was dying of cancer, and because they talked about the gifts of the spirit, namely the gift of healing, I thought, there's something here that I want because I don't want my father to die. Amazingly, my father has come through cancer and is cancer free and has been in remission for a number of years now. But that was my motivation, that was the hook. And so I kept, I started meeting with these people who were slightly uh, eccentric in my mind because they drank nothing but herbal tea, which I always think is suspect. That's why I always look at Chris Myers, though he's not here at his tea collection. I'm like, I don't know if I can trust you. You know, gunpowder tea, really? Um, Anyway, and looking back on it now, as I was praying with these people, I was inviting Jesus in and I was asking him for a deeper connection. I was asking him for power and I was giving him permission to shape my heart, to shape my mind. And looking back on it now, it was essentially a six month litany of vulnerability. The Spirit of God has he has the most important role in our lives he has as important as the other two in the Trinity but what Holy Spirit does is he takes as he enters our life he narrows the gap between the person that the world sees and the person that we see first thing in the morning in the mirror in the bathroom so that we begin to integrate fully vulnerability being vulnerable to Jesus being vulnerable to the Father is the birthplace of love. And it's actually the birthplace of belonging. And on reflection, as I became vulnerable with the Lord, it was kind of easy to be vulnerable to Him. The challenge was being vulnerable to the people I had to around me that were, you know, helping me in this. He filled me as I, he, he began to... I had this experience where I was suddenly filled with this inebriating, intoxicating affection that I knew that I was loved. Now I had loving parents, I had friends this whole time, but the love that I received from the Father when I was prayed for at that moment was unlike anything I'd ever experienced and it had this effect in fact my wife Rachel I've talked about it <clears throat> is that what essentially happened to me in that moment is that the wiring inside of me was redone and so suddenly I knew that I had a heart somewhere but I suddenly knew where it was and it was on my sleeve and I could actually begin to share feelings and to connect with people in a way that I couldn't before. Some of us have let our hearts grow hard, and it's natural, it happens, it's not a judgment. Sometimes hardness of heart can creep in when we become really busy, and you see it with couples, with young children all the time, because their relating to each other becomes transactional, and the busyness of life squeezes out the margin that enables them to take time to remind themselves of why they got married in the first place. Busyness can cause hardness of heart. Pain can cause hardness of heart. Physical pain can cause hardness of heart. Frustration, rejection, all of these things happen to us, and the world tells us that if we harden our hearts, it'll be easier next time. But as we do that, we lose our ability to love. And the Lord Jesus, as he says here through Paul, is looking to strengthen us with power. And that power is rooted in a very counterintuitive method. It's counterintuitive to our world because we're taught that self-preservation is so important. But to the one who created the heavens and the earth, Who sent his own son to die on our behalf he invites us to make ourselves vulnerable to him so that though it might seem like we are taking steps towards fragility they're actually steps towards becoming powerful as we let our guards down And so the invitation this morning is to receive today. Is if you're anything like me, you need to invite him into your hardness so you could learn to love again. And the question that the text asks us is, will you invite him in? That you might be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For all endurance, patience, with joy it's an invitation to learn to love again and it's an invitation you may not be ready this morning but it's an invitation to consider taking up a a posture of vulnerability towards Jesus he's the only one we never have to explain ourselves to because he knows he knows us so well The purpose of this God-given power is to provide divine strength so that in our weakness, we become strong. Because in the, when we become strong in the world's eyes, we actually become weak. And so the, st- the, the, the purpose is that we would receive God-given strength so that we might be able to persevere might have endurance we might have patience and we might be pleasant to be around i'm so tired of patience i never ask for patience anymore my prayer is lord teach me to make great decisions in haste <laughs> cuz i'm tired of waiting but waiting time is never wasted time and often it's in the waiting that we're prepared That we're prepared for what is next. And the most incredible thing is that the love that he pours into us is the first sign that we are qualified to receive an inheritance from heaven. We're qualified, that we become people who are marked by his presence we become consecrated for his kingdom. The most bizarre thing happened to me two weeks ago. I am not one to sign up to swim lengths at a pool. I'm not, I know some of you do, and you competitive swim, and I envy you, sort of. But I went to the pool that I go to, and I did, it it was painful the first time, and you know, I kinda, people were looking at me and I just, I got through it. And then last Sunday after church, I went again and I am like, well, Lord, where is this coming from? I don't like to swim. You know, it's a number of reasons I won't go into and I did. I did better because I had goggles on. I had my son's goggles on which were too small and at least I could see and I finished and I sat down in the chair to dry off and I wasn't eavesdropping I promise but I couldn't help but hear the conversation next to me these two young women were talking about one was confiding the other about the relationship and how the relationship was in was toxic and was bad and the friend was giving the best advice and I was like Lord is this why I'm here to swim and I'm just kind of listening and praying and and I just couldn't help myself and I said as I left, said, "Ma'am, I'm really—I didn't mean to, to eavesdrop, but I couldn't help it over here. And you don't know me, and I don't know you, and, and so don't take this necessarily to heart, but test it out with your friend. But you have to trust your instincts. You have to listen to your friend's advice. You need to get out of this relationship. Don't worry about saving him. But you know." And she kind of looked at me and said, really? And the friend looked at me and said, thank you. What was that? Was, me, was that me just giving advice? I don't know. I was, I was not in a place that I thought I could give advice. I was exhausted after swimming a few lengths. And, and yet there was something there that this woman began to share that she never really had a man speak to her in a healthy way. I was like, well, this isn't necessarily the healthiest way to, you know, just kind of sharing advice at a pool Sunday at noon in this hot sun, you know, test it, but you really ought to do this. And I said, look, you don't need someone to fix you. Well, you really do, but I didn't think she was ready to hear the full gospel just then. I just said, look, you just need someone to walk alongside you in the season. And I know a group of people who would love to do that and I gave her details and she hasn't shown up but you know that was it now why did I do that that is not I when I'm on my own I want to do my thing I don't want to talk to anyone I want to go home I just want to be in my world and it's the work of the Spirit that integrates who we are so that the person that the world sees and the person that we see when no one's looking become the same and we become marked by his love verse 14 as I close brings up this word redemption and redemption has a number of meanings it means deliverance being delivered out of darkness into light. It means being taken from one state to the next. But redemption also means being liberated, being set free, where you're no longer bound by what you were like before because of the power of Jesus. And the emphasis here is that believers have been delivered and have received forgiveness for their sins. now what does that mean for you today it's going to be I don't know 120 degrees outside right It's hot and we have every excuse to not be patient we have every excuse not to be charitable or loving and it's completely understandable and the only way to be patient charitable loving in this heat is really to receive the love that God has for us as he's made known to us in Jesus and wants to pour into our lives this morning through the power of the Spirit why don't we stand and let's pray you may want to hold out your hands like this as a a gesture you want to receive You may not want to, it's totally fine. Lord Jesus, thank you for the promise of power, of a power that teaches us to love again. We ask that you'd come now by your spirit, that you'd dwell up within us, that you'd come upon us. And for any of us, Lord, whose hearts have grown hard, we ask that you would come in and make them soft again. For those of us who are waiting, we ask if at all possible that you'd speed things along. For those of us who've been hurt, who have been rejected, who are going through a difficult time, we ask that you'd pour out your presence, your comfort, and your love Come, Holy Spirit, we ask for more of you. We ask that you would teach us, not just as individuals, but as a community, to love again, to continue on loving. We ask all of this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ.